to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. All right. Greetings, the damned. Um, my goth socialist podcast audience has demanded that we call them the damned. Yes. Uh, so, hello, the damned. <laughs> you must wear black now. Listening to this in your coffins or whatever. Um, <laughs> hello, welcome to uh, Pod Damn America this week. I'm Jake Flores. Uh, here is Rock of Meta. Hey, what's up? Alex Patak. The damned. <laughs> it's funny, Jake's reading our names right now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it says your name is Rajov. Okay. Yeah. Um, odd job. Pronounced <laughs> odd job. Been here for two years. <laughs> <laughs> and um, special guest this week, uh, journalist Kate Aronoff. Hello. Did I, get hey. that, I get that right? That's right. Cool. Aronoff, <laughs> a Russian name. Suspicious, I know. Uh, welcome to the show. Um will be talking with us about um, her work studying uh, the EPA, climate change, um, et cetera, a number of other things. But before we get right into that, a couple of announcements up top. Um, if you uh, lost access to the show in the great um, Patreon purge that happened a month or two ago, um, I got an email back from Patreon. They basically told me to go suck a dick. So I'm really sorry. Email me, and I'll just send you directly the files until we... Um, we uh, get this cleared up. Well, did you try doing that? Because maybe that maybe you, that will fix things. Try doing what? Sucking a dick. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Nothing happened. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Oh, God. I followed your steps. <laughs> <laughs> I look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're not. You know, this person doesn't work for tech support at all. <laughs> um. <laughs> The Patreon Purge is my least favorite Purge movie. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's the worst. It's like Agreed. 30 minutes long. Very uninteresting. Uh, another thing regarding Patreon. Uh, a number of people have reached out to me and told me that they can't find our Patreon on the like search bar, through the search bar, uh, and have to then type www.patreon.com slash poddamnamerica into their like you know address thing. This is real. And it's very... Um, uh, inconvenient. Um, <laughs> so I looked into this, and it's because we are classified as not safe for work. <laughs> so <laughs> you can't I'm search a Patreon where they say curse words and talk about sucking dicks and stuff. It's like the deep web of Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're, not Patreon. we're not indexed <laughs> on Patreon. We're dark. How are we not safe? Patreon How is a podcast not safe for work? I well, bet everyone who listens to this is listening to it at work. I hope so. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess we could uh, fix that if we were to, like, take that marker off our show. Clean it up, fellas. But then someone could up. get mad at us for the dick-sucking stuff. So I don't know. We're in a cycle here. We're kind of stuck in a loop. This is why we didn't get into Aussie Fest. Yeah. Because <laughs> of that tag. Yeah, because we're NSFW, man. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we'll try and fix that. Maybe we'll try to get away with, um, you know, 
blatant copyright infringement of music and lying about not being uh, <laughs> an SFW um, so that you can use your search bar. I don't know. But until then, you know, just type the words in. The damned. Make you guys still like for me? work. Um, <laughs> we are fully clothed. Um, that's uh, pretty much Patreon business for the week. Thank you very much for the uh, um, for all of our new subscribers. We just had a little bit of a kick. Uh, pretty cool. So uh, I'm stoked to keep making uh, this podcast and yada yada yada. Um, other than that, I don't really have a whole lot of um, <laughs> a whole lot of news this week. Um, I missed Elon and Grimes last week. The, they uh, they unfollowed each other on everything and, and um, basically had a big three way meltdown online with Azalea Banks. That was no. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently Elon and Grimes um, like were on like a two day acid bender and like were working on some sort of project with Azalea Banks, who's I think also I blacked insane. the story out. The, I yeah. think I saw it at some point. <laughs> Good for I just you. Avoided it from my memory. This is definitely a type of story where you look at your phone and you're just like, "Nah, this is like gonna. This is too much." Wait, I've never met any of these people. <laughs> what does this mean? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But if they break up, it's gonna ruin. Um, my couple's costume for Halloween. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to be Azealia Banks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, also, I'm late to the bo- uh, party here, but I just I watched This Is America, and it fucking rules. Uh, it's Who Is America. Who Is America. I have made the same mistake several times. I watched something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched the uh, the Childish Gambino video. <laughs> no. It's good. <laughs> I was like, what? this is hilarious. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen's insane. You can't even tell it's him. I <laughs> know. <laughs> 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 Uh, no, the Sasha Baron Cohen show is uh, fucking great. I heard that um, Mullen, uh, like, quote-unquote, wrote on it. He consulted. He consulted <laughs> on the episode where a guy takes his pants off and yells the N-word, and I was like, is that the part that you consulted <laughs> on? That seems like something you would write. That <laughs> yeah. Was yeah, it's big. like, did they just call you when you were half awake or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, say, just say the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> Boop! He <laughs> just hangs up the phone. Anyway, um, yeah, that shit's great. So, uh, props to uh, to those guys. Um, also, uh, our pal Amlo in Mexico uh, just unveiled his uh, incoming cabinet, and a um, lot more women than Peña Nieto's. So that's pretty cool. Um, although the jury's still really out on Amlo, I'm really curious to see what happens with this guy because everyone in Mexico seems to be like on the edge of their seat like is he gonna go crazy you know <laughs> your move Amlo. do some clown shit yeah but anyway um welcome to the show kate um kate aronoff um writer for in these times uh the intercept uh we just read a bunch of your uh work regarding climate change and how it relates to things like immigration and like the dhs and our overall you know need to restructure um our economic system. It was very interesting. All um, the uplifting stuff. Yeah, no. Anytime you're reading about climate change, it, you get, I tend to get really depressed because it's all... It's, it seems very unsolvable. That might just be a you yeah, thing. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alex. Well, we are a goth yeah, leftist just podcast. So <laughs> I'm a goth now, dude. I don't fucking keep follow the rules. We're climate goths. <laughs> <laughs> we're climate goths. I made a smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, surprisingly, the subject of the climate, which covers the entire world, actually ties in to a lot of different stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's really narrowed down in the media. Yeah. Um, so I thought, like, the, the exciting reason we're having you on today is all of the new EPA administration rules about coal. Um, and I was also just thinking about, like, 
what the EPA means to people in popular culture, like when you bring the EPA up to Americans, the only recognition you're going to get from most people is like that they want to get rid of the Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, where the EPA was, were the bad they guys. They were the yeah. villains in yeah. Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, that's right. Weird. Oh yeah, yeah. It's ghosts and big government stopping Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. I think ET as well. <laughs> there's always there's all these movies from like the 80s where the 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 villain is just like scientists and like public <laughs> workers and shit. Really weird. 80s angle. were wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they don't understand how to be a friend. Yeah, I guess it was like Reagan's you know era, and there might be some weird thing you can glean from that. But um um. The EPA is interesting. Uh, my, my personal relationship to, relationship to it is that my dad works for the EPA. Um, he has for a long time, and he's um, a laboratory auditor. Um, I think my mom is sort of convinced <laughs> that, like, for, for my entire childhood, she kind of had this weird theory that he was actually like some sort of fucking secret CIA agent, and like embedded <laughs> oh, within okay. the EPA. But I, I think both of my parents are just insane. Those uh, are two very different things. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I've talked to him about it before, and he, he's a he audits laboratories and like tests water and stuff like that. And uh, he sent me a picture when he was working in the uh, the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina that was really interesting. Like apparently something that happened out there was that uh, since you know, this hurricane destroyed um, like you know, all these houses, oh, flooded damn. all these houses. What happens when your home is flooded that bad is that it, it ruins your refrigerator. So they had to get rid of all these refrigerators. They're not, like, salvageable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't really clean it and turn it back into a regular refrigerator. So there's just this refrigerator graveyard outside of New Orleans in Louisiana that's just, like, refrigerators for as far as the eye can see. They're all busted up and shit, and they just look like tombstones, you know? And it's still there? Um, this happened, like, he sent me this, like, in 2000. Five or six, whatever. The it's hell a popular happened. hide and go seek area <laughs> for children now. I don't know. I couldn't <laughs> say whether it is or FEMA not. FEMA took care of it. Let's go here, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, New Orleans, they're just like dancing on top of them and shit and uh, <laughs> listening to bounce music and stuff. That's uh, what the next season of True Detective is going to be about. <laughs> <laughs> refrigerator cart, uh, graveyard. They say they could murder cold, and I'm about to find out how cold. <laughs> <laughs> um,. But anyway, yeah, these uh these new like EPA deregulation laws just rolled out today. Is that correct? That is that is right. Early this morning. Uh yes, there is a there's a new chief in town as of a few months ago, Andrew Wheeler. Andrew Wheeler. Around when did he step in? Uh, he stepped in yeah a couple a couple months ago after uh, Scott Pruitt was ousted. Our man Big Scott, who was like ousted for like opening Just his own personal parade. so much <laughs> corruption. It's yeah. incredible how... Yeah. I didn't realize one person could... He also tried to launch that. a Lamborghini into space. And also failed. very bad at it, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, nakedly bad at it. Yeah, just bad. You would think if you're that corrupt, you would, like, get good at some point yeah. doing the corruption, but um, he just continued to sort of, like, be horrible at, at, you know, doing it. My favorite story was when somebody had to, like... like uh, basically uh break into an apartment like his security detail he was napping and they thought he was dead or in danger or something (laughs) and so they had to like ram down this door um to scott pruitt and uh, he was napping (laughs) he was just in a food coma in there yeah something like that oh that rules um well i like him for fucking off on the job uh but that's it 
Uh, wrong job to fuck off on, I suppose. You gotta wonder, like, if his end goal was EPA justice, <laughs> and he's like, I'm here. Just have fun with it now, you know? There's nowhere else to go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he got replaced, and this new guy came in. Uh, Kate wrote a wonderful wonderful article in, in these times, arguing that, you know, that could be uh, even more dangerous to have someone who's not a uh, cartoon bear falling down the stairs in charge of the EPA and is still a Republican. And, uh... Oh, it was! We have a whole host of new regulation on coal. Uh, got the New York Times open here. Co- uh, head type, head, headline. We're looking at it right now. Cost of new coal rules up to 1,400 more deaths a year, um, which is more. I always try to go for less deaths <laughs> in my numbers whenever I can. I like how the graphic on that article is just terrifying, gloomy smokestacks. Uh, future looks terrible. Right, um, and I know this is like breaking news, so it's like kind of hard to get a cutting edge thing on this. But um, uh, Kate, you've been covering the EPA in the last few months. What other uh, what other fun developments have we had in our Environmental Protection Agency under Trump? Well, it's a it's a it's a real redirection of the agency, and so I think there is this narrative that uh, the EPA, um, uh, Scott Pruitt, and now Andrew Wheeler were uh, kind of degrading the the institution and trying to destroy it. But I think they're actually just doing different things with it, which is um, propping up coal companies and really like leveraging the EPA in the interest of coal companies, oil companies, gas companies. Um, And I think the regulations that came out today are kind of clear about that. There's this great uh, graph or or a table that the that the EPA put out, um, which compares the Clean Power Plan, which is the set of regulations, Obama era regulations that uh, this this new ACE plan is replacing, um, and does a side by side comparison of it. And on uh, the Clean Power Plan side, it says intervenes on behalf of renewable energy, uh, and then. The uh, flip side to that with ACE is um, stays out of energy markets or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so then, they can be efficient. Yeah. And then lo- later on it says keeping, uh, in terms of what this, this new regulation uh, matrix does, uh, keeping coal plants open. So it's just, it's really just looking to nakedly prop up coal companies. Um, and that's, I mean, that's something that Scott Pruitt did in Oklahoma, um, kind of you know, using government on behalf of industry. Um, and so it's not quite that they're just stripping regulations. It's that they're um, really reshaping the regulatory state in the interest of the fossil fuel industry. But can't we use coal in a good way? You know, do something fun with it. I heard they can make it clean. <laughs> I would love that. That would be really great. And we can still get our fun jobs going down with big pickaxes like in Zoolander and hitting the sides of the walls because that's what we want. Every morning I shower in a big shower of clean coal. <laughs> my <laughs> only so clean. My only desire to ever be in the White House press corps, which seems like utter hell, um, uh-huh. is just to get to ask someone what clean coal is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want nothing more. Yeah, it's one of those phrases they throw around that's like, just ma- like not real. It's meaningless. I mean, there is like a like kind of a scientific definition of clean coal. I mean, it's mostly like industry nonsense, but um, I just would really love to watch like Sarah Sanders try to explain what clean coal is or Trump himself. Like (laughs) just be golden. Yeah. I mean, if anyone could do it, like she could, that's kind of her shit is just like improving shit like that and like making it up with a little diagram. Um, No eye contact. (laughs) That's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, So, uh, Wheeler, I mean, is he pretty much a continuation of 
Pruitt, or are there differences in his policies? Worse, I think. Worse, right? Um, there's, there's something that, I, that struck me about this. I remember when uh, when Pruitt got fired, there's always this like neoliberal short-sightedness where everyone's like, hell yeah, it's being taken down, and like no one really even assesses the person coming in as like being possibly worse. And I think as maybe I might have, if I read this right, you might have pointed out, um, like less obvious in how he's bad, like uh, less of a, you know, a big uh, tottering disaster, you know, spectacle type of thing, like the more of the insidious, um, like somehow. Like a more uh, banal evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he is in some ways more competent than Pruitt in the sense that he was at the APA for a long time. And so people kind of relate to him as being this sort of insider within the agency. And uh, he was also a registered lobbyist for the coal industry until like last spring. Uh, in these times, we published uh, uh, early this year um, a sort of look at um, these pictures that had been leaked to us from the Department of Energy um, showing Andrew Wheeler at the table with Robert Murray, um, who is the executive of uh, Murray Cole, um, there as a lobbyist. So it's those two meeting with, with Rick Perry at oh, Energy. Right. Another uh, reason this story is close to my heart is I'm um, from Texas, and um, you know Rick Perry was our uh, fucking idiot governor for a long time, and a uh, close friend to a lot of male sex workers that I know. Uh, really? Working in the what? downtown Austin area. Yeah, it's an open secret. Rick Perry? Rick Perry. This is an open secret in Austin. It's crazy. Like, friends wow. talk about. There's this gay bar. Do explore. This is a gay bar called Charlie's. It's like right across from the fucking Capitol. And you go in there and they'll all tell you, like, yeah, he comes in here. Like, oh, he's called me before, et cetera. Um, I don't know how it isn't really, like, that big of a story. Um, and also, I mean, you know, to, to it's because of all the other things he's saying. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's, That's what probably what it is. <laughs> and also, yeah, wow. who like who cares? And also, there's just so many like that is that fascinating. I mean, that's like the least bad. Thing. Right. That's like not a yeah you know. yeah. It depends. <laughs> Apparently, there's also like an just an open secret. I know people in Indiana say the same thing, and I guess it's not that much of a story because it's like really like. What's the story? You know, is it bad that he's gay? No, you know, it's just like right. what's going on there or whatever. But anyway, uh, Rick Perry's a fucking moron. Uh, Does he like no go off on fucks. anti-gay stuff or that's uh, just yeah, like yeah? I mean, he'll throw some love over there, but mostly it's like I made of oil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I watched the show Dallas and I lived it. Uh, well, he was very like pro-family, you know, Christian values and all that shit. Oh damn! Yeah. What's bad is if you're gay with a Russian. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. that's what matters. <laughs> if I'm reading my Twitter timeline correctly, then that is <laughs> apparently double jeopardy is what it's called. It's called double jeopardy. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. The thing about Wheeler and Pruitt is they're they're like Trump vampires, and they've been let into the gates of the castle, and we know what they're doing. They're kind of just wreaking havoc and openly gutting everything and selling it out. And so, like, it's infuriating, but it's very easy to understand. And reading your stuff, uh, the the element that kept getting to me, as it always does, is mainstream Democrats' reaction to the EPA getting dismantled and kind of just plan for climate going forward. Um, yeah. I don't know if... Uh, yeah, I mean, the kind of crazy thing about watching the Pruitt stuff is that most of the mainstream coverage and even sort of Democrats what they were talking about wasn't actually what Pruitt was doing. It was not the sort of, like, battery of horrible anti-science, um, 
openly destructive policies that he was pushing forward. It was like, he spent all this money on a door or like a <laughs> phone booth or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess that's bad, but uh, you know, also is furthering the end of human civilization. Yeah, um, they're always so like fixated on like the just like the politeness and the vulgarity and things like right, that. Right, it's like he's defacing the office. Yeah, my favorite yeah. thing uh, when he got uh, taken down was um, th- I don't know why these nerds bother me so much, but like the the science march type people that do like that that clap 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 thing. Of, what do we want? Peer reviewed studies or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that bothers me so much because it's just missing the point by like a hair. When do we want it? In a timely but sufficient manner. Because they're reaching like the masses. They want yeah. the academic process to happen, you know, correctly and by the rules, but they don't care where the the gun is pointed. You know, like where the actual policy. Because the problem is not whether they're you know they're doing this thing efficiently. It's like what they're doing. You know. Well, those are always big marches, and so you just get to look at a huge crowd of people just miss the point. <laughs> it's <laughs> very know. frustrating. Yeah, that's what it turned me into a goth socialist, man. You know. Yeah. Um, and you know, dancing with just like your shoulders stiff and your legs <laughs> bouncing. How else are you supposed to dance? There's no other way. Um, look down. Um, so I guess to, to further elaborate on the Democrats thing, um, the, the extra frustrating part is that as a party, we seem split as to whether we're willing to not only prioritize climate change, but even like admit it's important at all. And uh, you get a lot of mainstream Democrats uh, backing these policies that are uh, all of the above climate policies. Would you like to go into those for a little bit? Yeah, yeah. There was some news on this recently. So all of the above to give kind of a very brief history of that phrase it was something I believe was invented by industry and used by Democrats um, until fairly recently. So as recently as I think 2014, Obama said all of the above. We support all of the above in this like big speech he gave on clean energy in D.C. Um, and it was in 2016, um, thanks to uh, Bernie Sanders delegates at the Democratic Uh, platform committee meetings in the lead up to the DNC in Philly that uh, it got taken out. So the Democrats officially sort of parted with all the above language. Um, And just like a week ago, uh, the DNC, which had uh, said it would stop taking uh, donations from corporate PACs linked to fossil fuel companies, um, passed something basically just going back on that in which it reinserted this language of all the above. So what that means is basically we like uh, solar, we like wind. We also are very open to coal and natural coal gas. Coal curious. Yes, coal <laughs> curious. Yeah. Um, I like having a house. I also like being crushed by an anvil when I pass under the highway. <laughs> yeah. All of the above. Right. And C- there's curious this. Curious about fracking, looking for a third. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this real narrative among, among Democrats where it's, you know, the party line at this point is like, we believe in climate change. We believe in science and truth and all these things. Um, but There should be a tax benefit for climate change. Right, right. It's like, yes. if we could administer this through a tax credit, then we'll solve it. Um, but uh, I think there's a real sense that you can sort of like tinker your way around it, that you can just like, right, pass enough tax credits, um, you know, tax carbon or something like that like pass all these market-based incentives and then that'll do it um without really you know looking at what the science is actually saying which is we need to transform the economy there seems to be this like point we're hitting with climate change where you have to just be in full denial in order to like continue thinking that there is not a you know like a weird like narrowing end of this tunnel um 
I think about that a lot because I, I listen to the, this, this Bernie Sanders podcast. He has a podcast, what? by the way. No one ever talks about this. <laughs> well, that's he right. He has a podcast, and he brought on um, um, uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, um, or as oh, he's known now, Professor Bill Nye or whatever. But, um, <laughs> but he, you know, Bill Nye, MD. Bill Nye comes on, and he's talking about this, and he's talking about this capitalist question. And I remember listening to it and like feeling really bad for him because he was so frantic and panicky, and he was trying to convince anyone listening to the podcast that... No, we can solve this problem through capitalism. We can. Bill Nye was saying that. Bill Nye was saying it, and it sounded the like childhood is correct. He didn't really even believe it. He's just like, please, like you gotta like get on board with us, and just he's just like desperately trying to get anyone to still buy into you know climate research and stuff because he's so I guess convinced that we're not going to redirect the the overall you know social structure, the economic structure of capitalism. That he's just like. No, 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 we can do it. You can make it to where, you know, incentives cause like, uh, you know, you know, better, uh, lower emissions, et cetera, or whatever. But he just sounded like he was ranting about the end of the world. It was really weird. That's so sad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think that to to prove like that point, like is something that uh, illustrates it really well in one of the articles that you wrote was about the World's uh, Bank Climate Summit in... Mm. Germany and how they were uh, there were all these strange you know new companies unveiling like cryptocurrencies that function as um, as uh, you know carbon credits and stuff like that and uh, particularly this one story made me laugh about the refrigerator company because um, can you explain exactly what happened there yeah so uh, so there uh, this this gets really sort of like in the weeds really quickly so I'll try to do the the easiest version of it. Basically, there was a system set up um, under a kind of previous regime of climate policymaking um, where uh, companies and, and, and countries could purchase these things called offset credits. And so um, how you would get an offset credit um, or how it kind of works is that you pollute a certain amount and then you can buy um, an offset, which sort of is meant to balance out your pollution with like a thing that's good somewhere right. else. Cardi B's done that. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I got, I got the, the rapper, pop culture guys. references. Uh, um, yeah. We're very it. cool. <laughs> this is a cool podcast. It's about refrigerators. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> no, it'll spice up this refrigerator story I'm about to tell. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so th- there are these uh, offset credits, right? And so a company can sort of sell offset credits on the market if it is proven to be doing something good. And so what happened um, as part of this whole regime is that companies which produce refrigerators produce these things called HFCs, which is a certain type of greenhouse gases. And at some point they figured out that if they destroyed HFCs, that they could sell offsets on the on the market, on carbon markets. Oh, uh, and so they uh, just started making HFCs in order to destroy them. And so just producing all of these um, extra greenhouse gases that would not have been produced otherwise and then um, destroying them on purpose and then, and then making money off of them. So this, this Market system... Market efficiency! Right, <laughs> the system was set up to redirect like incentives to where, like, hey, if you're producing greenhouse gases, you know, we'll give you a little credit if you then destroy the greenhouse gases but then someone just figured out oh wait i can just on purpose create these gases and destroy them as a way of like 
hacking the credit system. It's, it's disrupting. Just re- it reminds me of yeah. some shit you would pull on like a video game and everyone would get really mad at you while you're playing like Civilization or something. It's wave dashing climate change. It's <laughs> very important. Yeah. Who determines if it's good and is it ever good? Uh, there's a UN agency. Oh, okay. That, uh, yeah. That's I mean, the World Bank right now... Or the EU is sort of phasing out um, the use of offset credits because it's so, like, insanely vulnerable to grift. Just, like, everyday, you know, hucksters kind of making their own credits. Um, But, yeah, there was sort of, like, a UN provision. I'm forgetting the exact name of it, but which would certify these credits. Everything about this event was very funny. (laughs) The name is Innovate for Climate, one word with the number four. And a hashtag. It's a hashtag. Oh, the hashtag is before the the whole thing. So you can't even really say it in human words. That's how you name a boy (laughs) band in the 90s. (laughs) With the numbers meaning letters and shit. Innovate for Climate. Or an indie band now. Yeah, yeah, it's like how Tupac would name his green gas initiatives project. Uh, and so that's very funny. Uh, there's a paragraph in here about a climate coin, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Bitcoin, but for saving the, the world. Yeah, from what I uh, could understand, their idea, it's like a startup, uh, was that they <laughs> were creating the first ever uh, cryptocurrency tied to offset credits on the blockchain. Oh, man, that's so uninteresting. Uh, <laughs> which makes a lot of <laughs> sense for <laughs> <to> everyone listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Bitcoin, there's an article that came out uh, this week about like the, the new terrifying amount of energy that's required to just sustain the blockchain that uh, you know fuels Bitcoin. Um, the best I can understand how Bitcoin works is the blockchain is the, like this sort of... Um, series of computers that all keep each other in check which keeps the the cryptocurrency from being able to be like hacked and uh, manipulated or whatever this computer's watching computers <laughs> yeah um so it is a bunch of you know think about a bunch of like um like b- b- deep blue style computers like monitoring each other so like just in a big room staring at each other making sure nobody does anything right that's like it for some reason it takes these huge fucking computers right um and I like mean, the prequel to Westworld. Yeah, yeah. Or the, the robots don't fuck. You can't see, but the computers are having sex. Yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> That's how they do it. They play chess and they fuck each other. Uh, <laughs> and they monitor each other uh, so that some guy's Bitcoin account doesn't get hacked. Um, but, yeah, so I remember reading a while back, like maybe six months ago, that you know it had reached like the equal to about 16 countries, just the amount of energy they produce. Obviously, small countries or whatever, but that's still very alarming, and it's growing at an alarming rate. Um, this new estimate is that um, – what was the number? It's like – okay, yeah, it says here in this article by Alex Hearn in The Guardian, the cryptocurrency uses as much CO2 a year as one million transatlantic flights – Still a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're putting up good numbers, and we're happy with where the project's going. (laughs) I can't wrap my mind around this. I don't understand. The more I read about this stuff, the less it makes sense to me. I'm very confused. I just don't understand why it exists and why there isn't more talk of just straight up banning it. It also (laughs) seems like such a, a powder keg of a system because... You know, someone could just pull Fight Club shit and just blow up a bunch of these computers. Then what happens to this entire 
you know, supposedly. Jake, don't say that on the mic. <laughs> Sad they listen to it. Right, right. <laughs> Jake is just begging the DHS to come back to his apartment now. <laughs> well, does the DHS like uh, cryptocurrency, though? I'm going to get, like, Fedora nerds this Maybe time. someone in the DHS does. <laughs> <laughs> it All only right. takes one. Allegedly, this could happen. Uh, theoretically. <laughs> I'm not saying it should happen. I'm just saying it's so weird that it seems like so... Like, such a delicate thing to store the backup of all of these, this entire economic system in. Really weird. It's just if it did happen, it would be funny. That's all we're saying. <laughs> That's all we're saying. End of discussion. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> I have no comment. I don't mean anything I say on this podcast. This is an ironic podcast. Yeah. We can't reach Jake emotionally. Tyler Durden is in here. Okay, but but that's what uh, markets and liberal solutions are up to in stopping climate change. They seem like they're doing a great job. Uh, there's fantastic strides. Uh, you we're almost there, guys. Yeah. We're almost yeah, yeah. there. We're like one more app away, I think, from fixing the problem. Uh, you had an interesting interview with Will Steffen, who's the co-house of the infamous, the now infamous Hot House Earth paper recently on The Intercept. Uh, that was uh, strangely counter to everything we've been talking about, uh, the people doing at Innovate for Climate, where he pretty much directly says uh, we would have to fundamentally change the economics of how humans operate if we have any chance at all from stopping this. Yeah, without prompting. I mean, I was interested in this study because I cover this stuff. But uh, I asked him, I think the first question was something like, uh, so, you know, so what does this mean if we believe this and what do we have to do about it? Um, <laughs> without any, like, I didn't ask him this at all. Just says, oh, yeah, neoliberalism is totally out of sync with what we need to do on climate. Is cool. this a scientist or, like, a social scientist? He's a scientist. He's a, everyone in that paper describes himself as an earth system scientist, but he is not a social scientist. He's okay. a, a natural scientist and is not, like, a... people never say that kind of stuff. No, no, <laughs> Maybe no. he well, listens to yeah. Chapo Trap House or something. Mm. <laughs> yeah, what's interesting about climate science, though, is that um, a lot of papers now it's fairly standard for them to have this kind of prescriptive part at the end after they get to their scientific findings and the prescriptive part is almost always something along the lines of like we need to fundamentally fundamentally transform the productive capacity of society it's like always yeah. it's like if we could only get people to done. read the last paragraph well to that point i just um i a long time ago was trying to become a fucking science person in college right and i just to me i think there always seems like there's this inherent gap between scientific papers and journalism because you know the, the the function of a scientific paper is just sort of like flatly objective and like you know kind of has like this um very plain like open for interpretation here's the data here's what it maybe implies but, it's so cautious too. but with journalism you tend to take those and you throw that caution to the wind and you sort of uh you know manipulate it and spin it in a way that you know is loud and banging and has a point and gets people riled up and angry and stuff like that. Well, yeah, so, the, with the papers, it, the bias completely removed for the most part. And then a journalist is like, well, I have in the pursuit of so-called objectivity. It's like, well, well, let's see what the executive at Raytheon thinks about this. So <laughs> right. it can be fair. Right. Um, there's motivations like that. And then there's also like, I just, I always get really mad at these like clickbaity articles that were like, you know, a study proves that if you eat chocolate, you're going to live for a hundred years or something like yeah. that. And you can, like, yeah, you yes. can prove any of your internal biases. Now. <laughs> if Finally. you actually look at the studies that they cite, they're, they're not that they're just somebody who took that. And it's like, okay, there's this strange static that happens in between something being, you know, thought of in the scientific community. And then, the way it gets told to the public. And um, all of the coverage around this paper in particular, like, every headline was like, we are doomed. 
Like, yeah. We are going to it was die like, no uh, matter what we do. Which was not at all what the what the paper said. No, there's it, it one very like, specific thing we could do and will not do. <laughs> <laughs> it was well, like a Daria Six Sad World. That <laughs> <laughs> scary TV show that's always just like... Meh. Um, yeah, so the Hot House uh, paper. <laughs> I really like that name, too. Uh, it sounds like... Um, which is not the name show. of the paper. The name of the paper is something like totally arcane and academic. Yeah, I liked how they like have a nickname for it that makes it sound like a SoundCloud rapper or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you like Hot House Earth, subscribe. Uh, support artists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's getting hot where you are. I don't know. Well, because there is obviously a method of you know preventing this future we're all terrified of, and it's very obvious what it is. And people studying this all are saying the same things. But this is the part that gets depressing to me because. Uh, there's no actual momentum building in a significant way that I can see that seems like, like you were wrote here. Uh, he said that we would have to decarbonize by mid century at the absolute latest. If we had any chance of moving forward, which could, can be done, but politically seems very scary. And uh, I, I don't know uh, what in this uh, subject gives you hope in terms of like grassroots stuff. Is, is there anything that, you know, maybe people are missing out on? Yeah, well, I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago looking at the climate plans from folks like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, from Rashida Tlaib, um, from folks like Abdullah Sayed and Kangela Ng, who, you know, both of them, of course, didn't make it to office, but there is a sort of new um, wave of uh, particularly younger, um, very sort of left-leaning, some of them DSA-endorsed politicians who are putting out climate plans that actually are sort of at the scale of the problem, or at least approaching it. And so um, all of those folks have called for a Green New Deal, so to create sort of massive employment um, projects to do some of the things we need to do on climate, like electrify huge parts of our grid, um, scale up renewable energy. Hmm? A war on planes. A war on planes, yeah. So, well, <laughs> the way you described <laughs> it in uh, one of these articles was like uh, the, the military footing for America going into World War II is like a controlled economy where everyone's making ships all of a sudden, and we need to be doing that for solar panels last year. Um, I, I support the idea so much, and I would just love to see it catch on any more than it is right now. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting because, right, like, there may theoretically reach some point in which the GOP and which very conservative actors are just unable to continue pretending this isn't a problem. Mm -hmm. um, you know, once we have, like, horrible hurricanes hitting New York and, like, major centers of capital every year... Um, which More is a thing that could happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, once it threatens capital, like people will come around, and so I think one uh, one sort of path way to confront that is like a sort of egalitarian redistributive approach, which is like we preempt some of this stuff. We understand that this is coming, and we act to prevent it. The other is a totally sort of dystopian like hellscape in which like Republicans control the answer to the problem and just like expand ICE to be the entire U.S. military mm -hmm. um, and sort of you know, block climate refugees at the door will be the largest uh, mass migration in human history, potentially. Um, so imagining Republicans dealing with that is sort of horrifying to think about. Um, and so there are, you know, I think that we will reach a point when um, people are doing things about climate and whether that's something that's good and, you know, is better for most people in the country or whether that's something totally horrifying and awful. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to hear uh, the people who have been saying things related to your ICE article in these times uh, that was published in that. Uh, 
You write that the Pentagon has been writing reports about how climate change could impact U.S. defense interests since 1992, yeah. making it a threat multiplier uh, to national security. And even Defense Sec- James Mattis told the Senate Armed Services Committee that climate change is already impacting stability in areas of the world where our troops are operating today. Where are our climate troops? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really interesting that the fucking Pentagon has been considering climate change a threat when you think about how many people that subscribe to a lot of things the Pentagon does deny climate change because clearly it must be real if they're worried that it's going to affect what they're doing totally I mean there are really reactionary arms of the state which are hyper materialist which have a just very clear understanding of what is happening what will happen and so that's where like these sorts of reports come out of is that they are you know interested in securing american interests abroad and what that means for them in part is to look at how climate impacts will threaten military bases mm-hmm. all over the world and so they're yeah are uh concerned about that and are more prepared in some cases than like leftists and liberals yeah no i mean it's just interesting because you know they they clearly know it's real if they're preparing <laughs> for it you know, um, and, uh, tanks are very bad for the environment, <laughs> but these are the same people who spent all of Vietnam trying to make rain happen. So uh, anything goes for them. You know, that's true. They also put like bombs on bats and shit like that. <laughs> so um, maybe they just They're got this idea one right. men, which I respect. That's what that CCR song was about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, to speak to your point about, you know, this uh, optimistic uh, possible future versus this sort of dystopian future, I think um, this piece uh, that you published, Why Abolishing Ice is a Good Climate Policy, um, is interesting, and I think I maybe I'm a, a pessimist, and I'm find I find this terrifying, but it does um, sort of illustrate the what's happening right now that's bad. That's going to lead us away from that, which is that in a way, um, climate change affects uh, the the way that xenophobia and all this immigration uh, cracking down upon is sort of fueled um, because. What's really interesting about immigration to me is that when you ask people who are very anti-immigration, like, well, why, they sort of have these myths they believe, which is, you know, that there's this scarcity of uh, resources, et cetera, and, like, why they think people are coming over the border to begin with. And a lot of this, like, nationalistic bullshit is like, well, it's because we have all this cool shit and we're great and their country isn't doing, you know, well enough. So they're, gonna, you know, they're coming over the border to like, you know, take advantage of this hard work that we did, etc. It's the haters make me famous. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when in reality, a lot of, uh, you know, what's happening is cl- climate change is making parts of the world uninhabitable, which would be hilarious if it was America, you know, like if we had to move, this would be an entirely different story, right? Well, some of us will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, internal migration is going to be huge. Yeah. You know, there are huge parts of the country which are going to be uninhabitable. I mean, New, New Orleans will be underwater. Right. Buy land in Denver now. <laughs> yeah. When this I fa- a speculation podcast. When I fail at comedy, I can just say I moved back to the Midwest because of climate change. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's just it's really bad out there. I heard I was getting warmer. Great. I was doing great. <laughs> <laughs> it would be cool if hurricanes destroyed all the comedy clubs in New York and L.A. <laughs> and completely restructured how this shit works. <laughs> um, but a lot of people, you know, yeah, migrate, fleeing things that are direct byproduct of climate change that uh, also, you know, essentially caused in large part by this country um okay okay. i I, i'm also afraid of like all these like peripheral 
uh, outcomes of climate change. Like, did you guys read about all those reindeer who got anthrax in Serbia last year? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Did That's you read about it? It was fucking. So there was the theory is. Oh, because of the, like, buried... uh, Yeah, there was a buried reindeer, uh, and the permafrost melted, and it released anthrax into the local ecosystem, and it killed 2,000 reindeer, and also got into the water supply and like 12 local oh yeah there's all sick. these diseases which are buried under like layers of yeah, permafrost that, that we do not know about yeah. I, there's Ooh. like a rat lungworm that uh surfaced in hawaii r- last year rat like, lungworm is my industrial band yeah yeah <laughs> um, but it also is bad and they're killing people <laughs> <laughs> oh there's the th- uh, the monster from the thing <laughs> yeah yeah the monster from the thing Coming i back. think ivan ooze was maybe under permafrost Hated enemy of the Power Rangers, which I kind of blacked out and saw last weekend, and that's why I'm thinking of it. I have a question. Reindeers are real? I thought that was just from uh, Christmas. Well, not anymore. Oh, yeah. They can't. They're all dead. <laughs> oh, no. Santa Claus. Anthrax got everyone. <laughs> they can't fly anymore. That's the difference. Yeah. Climate change ruined Christmas. Also, is Anthrax the heavy metal band? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> Those people are fucking crazy. Uh, the... The part about this article, the Abolish Ice article that was so interesting to me, is that you went, you took a step farther than most uh, coverage of the Abolish Ice movement is kind of looking to do online and uh, made an argument for abolishing DHS, mm-hmm. which on this Hell podcast yeah. we support. Uh, say hello to them, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, DHS is sort of a monster of an agency, and I kind of go into it in this piece. I mean, it was formed as part of um, the mobilization for the war on terror, quote right. unquote. Um, She's quoting. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's just combined all these agencies. And so what DHS is now um, contains ICE. It also contains FEMA. And it contains a lot of the uh, disaster response infrastructure in the country. So having those uh, various things sort of bundled together is, I think, very bad um, and can't, can't possibly be good as we enter a very climate change 21st century. It's bad organization. Um, I guess... So, like, if you abolished DHS and then there was no FEMA, would you just, like, make a new FEMA that's good? Uh, I mean, that's, like, uh, I mean that, that, that is probably something that inevitably will have to be answered if we're going to talk about abolishing all these immigration crackdown agencies because, um, okay, so I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is that, like, um, this, this sort of specter of immigration is a huge distraction from, like, the the inevitable need to revamp this entire economic system. It's being sold to people as a way to, to sort of like continue the myths of statism and of like, um, you know, of nationalism and of uh, that, that somehow this capitalistic system is going to reform and stop hurricanes from causing these problems um, and sort of keep the, the, you know, the, push back the, inev- the inevitability of cl- climate disaster. I don't know. Well, uh, it's, it's like if your whole game plan is to make the walls in your fortress higher, you're never going to address the actual problem you have with climate, which is that it's getting worse around you. And that is probably what's, I mean, what at least some people are going to do is that very wealthy people will look to insulate themselves from the problems. I mean, I think they can only really do that for so long, but we're already seeing things like seasteading. It's like rich people buying like real estate a hundred miles underground or something like that <laughs> Hell <yeah>. um, <laughs> to like, you know, have a, have a, a fortress to retreat into when the, when the seas rise too high. Um, so people are, are, you know, certainly already trying to do that. Um, I love the name of this theory, by the way, which I can't find exactly right now, but I'm pretty sure is 
armored boat theory? Is that what it is? Oh, the armed, the armed, <laughs> armed boat. Yeah, my uh, my professor actually, um, uh, Christian Parenti, wrote a great book called Tropic of Chaos, um, and it's That's all a sick about name, sort of. By the way. Yeah, it's no, it's really great. Um, and the armed lifeboat is this idea, right? That like. Uh, as climate crises accelerate, as climate impacts sort of pick up, um, that the response will just be more violence and militarism, and that these, um, you know, forces of like xenophobia, uh, of like military uh, buildups, that they all sort of build on each other to create this really horrifying convergence of um, of things. To that point, I found what I was what I was looking for just now. Um, a quote from um, your article. <laughs> this one just it, the 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 fucking thesaurus this guy was using when he wrote this quote is like making me laugh. Um, uh, so from your article to quote you it says indeed much of the academic and policy literature around climate change and security posits migrating populations those from the global south especially as a threat. In The Coming Anarchy, renowned political scientist Robert Kaplan argues that environmental changes will force respectable nations to defend themselves on a, and here's the quote I was looking for, it's from this guy's uh, book, The Coming Anarchy, run-down, crowded planet of skinhead Cossacks and juju (laughs) warriors, influenced by the worst refuse of Western pop culture and ancient tribal hatreds and battling over scraps of overused earth in guerrilla conflicts that ripple across continents. (laughs) I am Ozymandias. Marvel at my works. Hell yeah. (laughs) You sound like Rorschach or something. Yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) I don't know. It's amazing. If you're a Cossack, you gotta have hair. Some Mad Max shit, dude. Juju Warriors. It's <laughs> like fan fiction. Yeah. yeah. I can't tell if from the title of The Coming Anarchy, it's like a scary anarchy label or like anarchy. Everyone's gonna have spray paint. I think he's freaked out. I think, yeah, I think no. he's like, no. It's no bad good. anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he's anti Juju Warrior, which is a term I've never heard before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, to sort of round this out, uh, I think we should talk about um, how these issues sort of um, affect the future of the left and uh, the, the ways that the you know the neoliberal establishment is going to sort of try to fuck us over with them, uh, particularly in regards to what happened with uh, Big Dick Tom Perez, fresh off his <laughs> DJ his set at uh, Aussie Fest. I never want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, a DJ now. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom Perez, uh, as we touched on earlier, basically, um, you know, spearheaded this this um, this thing where. Uh, by the way, the the fuck the title of this is so pornographic. This Intercept article: D- DNC pretends to respect uh, pretends respect for workers requires it to take corporate pack money from big oil. <laughs> I don't know why. Like in all caps, I was like, is it, am I on Pornhub right now? <laughs> corporate take that corporate pack Step money. Stepsister pack <laughs> loaded to the gills. Um, but yeah, as we touched on earlier, um, there's basically this uh, suddenly, uh, um, you know, walking back, uh, unrolling of a, a policy where you know the 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 DNC would wouldn't accept uh, PAC money, and Tom Perez tries to sell it as um, this thing that's being like, oh, it's pro worker. It's because we want workers to be able to form unions and be able to influence our candidates, um, but it includes PACs. Um, it's just well, and that's like the only thing it affects, right? It's right. like so. Some quick backstory is that in June, uh, the DNC passed a rule that they wouldn't accept donations from corporate PACs. That's it, from corporate PACs linked to 
fossil fuel corporations in particular. And so when they issued this policy, when Tom Perez bought this, brought this proposal to walk back that rule, he made it seem as if that initial ban on uh, corporate PACs had also included a ban on union PACs, a ban on union members donating to the DNC. It didn't include any of that. And so the only thing that rule did was ban corporate PACs. And so he frames it, this walk back as like this, yeah, this pro worker, like these, these union members really just want to donate to, um, donate to the DNC, which I'm sure so many union members are like yes, gearing yeah. up to donate to the DNC. Coal unions right. are lining up to support the Democrats. Yeah, and this is like a sort of newly coined phenomenon called astroturfing, which is something that like they you saw them try to do recently in uh, D.C. with this whole like restaurant bill where they tried to make it seem like you know, there's this movement of workers that were like, no, we want the tip system. We right. don't want the minimum wage raised. Right. By framing it as a populist movement, I think they're trying to trick people that are just vaguely aware of this sort of burgeoning left in America into voting for it because they think like, oh, this is Ocasio. This is Bernie, you know. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, cool. And the, we got the email list. <laughs> and the slightly complicated thing about this is that my sentiment, and this is a little bit of speculation on my part, is that there are very conservative building trades unions, which do build pipelines, which are deeply linked into fossil fuel um, interests, who I fully believe came to the DNC and said, will you walk this back? Because they see their interests as aligned with those of the fossil fuel company. And right. so there is a sense where there are, you know, there is a, a I think, fairly small subsection of labor, which is interested in uh, furthering the interest of the fossil fuel industry. Sure. Um, but as if to frame that as if that is like the labor movement, right. quote unquote, which the DNC has tried to do is just absurd because it's like it's like, four it's like unions. those few coal guys that Trump likes to trot out all the time and go like, see, you know, these unions love me. Right. It's like right. a specific situation that it really isn't like indicative of the, in the concept of labor. Right. And, or, or that, you know, it, or that environmental progress, doing anything about climate change, is uh, counteractive to the interests of workers, which is totally right. Uh, it, you know, it's the opposite of that. It's like the I have a friend of speculation. You know, like the uh, I have a friend who works in a uh, oil union, right, and right, right. he lives in Canada. But everyone up there is lining up to give us money, and it's so <laughs> sad because their girlfriends are there too, and you'll never meet them. <laughs> but they want to make America good. Um, cool. All right. Uh, should we? Yeah. Okay. Well, Kate, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug on our wonderful podcast? I don't think so. Uh, yeah. Thank it's you so for having me. <laughs> um, I have nothing to hawk. Like I wish I did. People follow you on Twitter, maybe? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. You can, you can follow me on Twitter if you want. Uh, At? Just my name, Kate Aronoff. Got it. I do it. It's cool. <laughs> Following Kate on Twitter. <laughs> cool. Um, if this comes out by this weekend, which it should, I should probably get it up tonight. Um, I'll be at El Cortez in Bushwick opening for my friend's band. Uh, they're called Too Bad. They're from Gainesville. Um, should be about 7, 8 o'clock. It's on my pinned tweet. Um, if I don't get killed in a hurricane or a tornado or something by then. El Cortez has very good nachos as well. Oh, good. I want that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> good to know. Uh, anything for you? Yes. Okay, follow me on Twitter at Patak Jokes, and uh, my timeline's going to get good any minute now. I'll only be retweeting Ice-T. Um, and then if 
and I bet it will come out before September 1st. We are having the next paid protest DSA fundraiser comedy show at Mayday Space at 7. And we're fundraising for the housing working group this time. So Hell yeah. Cool stuff. Come come on down. And that's all, that's all I got. All right. Does everybody have a limerick? <laughs> I, I was thinking about doing like a what's the worst kind of natural disaster to die in, but oh, I think we've reached the end of this podcast. Fire. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here. Fire. Um, Vote no on fire. Thanks again, Kate, for joining us. Thank you. All right. The, the damned good night or good morning. <laughs> I don't know when you guys sleep. We're going to work on that. Fucking go. Let's go.